Hi, I'm Kenzie. And I'm Emily. And this is The Claw Crypt. Crack open a cold one with us. While we discuss everything true crime, mysteries, conspiracies, and much more. Probably once we get like halfway through this, I'll switch it up. We'll see. But I need some caffeine in me. I'm drinking moonshine. <laughs> <laughs> Leveling it up a little bit, I see. I wish I had like, I should have put like Bailey's or something in it. Then I'd be caffeinating while. Yeah. Well, Minnesota moonshine's not really like actual moonshine because you can't have alcohol pass to like. Everclear's illegal. Yeah, Everclear's illegal. I think it's like 80% and up is illegal here. Isn't Something it? like that. I don't know, I'm curious. I'm looking it up I now. think it's it's like 70 or 80. <laughs> I typed in 100 poop instead of 100 proof. <laughs> illegal. 151 proof version of Everclear can be bought and sold in Minnesota, so that's probably the highest, 75.5% 151 proof. You can buy straight ethanol for $49. That sounds dangerous. 100% ethanol. I wouldn't drink that. (laughs) I wouldn't either. I'm sure someone has, but... Okay, let's get into this one. I'm so excited for this one. Well, I mean, I, I shouldn't say excited because it's a terrible case. So I feel really bad saying excited because, like, it's just, it's so bad. Like, I say excited, too. But yeah. I just want to see your reaction to this because... It's really interesting. Yes. It's, it's a, a better way to put it. It's a ass roller coaster ride. Yeah, words literally cannot explain this. So, how I found this case, like, we're just going to hop right into it, because there's a lot to cover in this one. Um, So, how I found this one, I was scrolling through Audible, and I found this book called If You Tell by Greg Olson. We're on Audible, by the way. Are we? Oh, yeah, we are. I Googled our name. (laughs) Yeah. I I always forget that Audible has podcasts, but yes, we are on Audible, because I remember turning that on. I Googled our Um, name, and it popped up, and I was like, huh? There's a couple other ones that were on, too, that I didn't even know existed. I would have to look. Yeah. RSS has an option to post it in, like, certain different platforms, so it uploads it to all these other platforms, and then I do Spotify separately, because it's easier to do it through our thing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no. So I found this on Audible. Because I was just looking for some true crime stories, and I thought it was just going to be, like, some cute story about, like, sisters bonding, you know, and then here's a couple, like, murders here and there, you know, with a hint of true crime, like a little sprinkle. Yeah. No. No. This one, it, <laughs> it mind-fucked me. I was like, oh. Like, it was a really good read, um, but definitely a ride, um... And I, I can't cover everything that's in that book because there's so much to this case. So if after this episode you want to learn a little bit more, I highly recommend going and reading that book to find out, like, more in-depth of the story because there's a lot more to the story in the book. Um, this is just the basics. Um, I still got to finish my Charles Manson book. But I might listen to that one. <laughs> I recommend it. It's really good. 
this one can be kind of triggering to some people. Like, I know we don't usually put a bunch of trigger warnings out there, but I am going to say this one's a little triggering to people who have been through some, like, hardcore abuse and stuff like that. Um, it's really in-depth and brutal. Uh, there's a lot of psychological torture. And, like, usually I can stomach a lot of things, but this one made, like, my blood burn and my stomach turn into knots sometimes with some of the stuff that goes on. Like, it's hey. insane. So, this one takes place in Battleground, Washington, Ooh. and her name is... Yeah, it's so funny that it's called Battleground, Washington, and then eventually it goes to Raymond, Washington, but Aww. Battleground is Shelly's hometown. So, this is Michelle Nodick, also known as Shelly, so we're going to call her Shelly because that's what she goes by. Her original name is Michelle Watson, but you'll see why she's Michelle Nodek. She doesn't look like it, but she's an absolute fucking monster. She has really pretty red hair. And she's just, like, a really pretty person. So she doesn't look like someone who would do this kind of stuff. She looks like she's this beautiful angel child, whatever. But little do people know that when they meet her, she's not what she plays herself out to be. So I'm going to start with a quote from Nikki Nodek. Um, she says, I loved my mother because I didn't know I had a choice. I had to love her. And Aww. you'll... <laughs> You'll understand why it's so deep and so sad once we get into it. Let's start with Shelly's child life. So, Shelly was born to Les and Sharon Todd Watson on April 15th of 1954. Sharon's her birth mom. Just keep this in mind. So, Les and Sharon separated. Les moved away and promised Sharon he would care for the kids because Sharon was a depressive alcoholic and eventually goes down the line to other things and that, um, other things that lead to her death. So she yeah. dies. Les was kind of cocky. He was like the cool guy of the town. Everyone knew him and talked about him. He owned um, his family's bowling alley, and his mother owned a nursing home. So they had you know. bowling alleys back then. Yeah, it's only 1954. I thought bowling alleys were like a new thing. No, they've been around for quite some time. It does make me wonder, though, when bowling alleys became a thing. Like, who thought, yeah, I'm just going to throw a ball at some pins. This sounds like a fun game. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of weird, but... <laughs> Anyways, he owned his family's bowling alley, and his mom owned a nursing home, and his mom is who I think is, like, Shelly's role model, and I think inspired a lot of her behavior. Oh. And, um, yeah, she's also very twisted so they were a lot alike his mother so like for example a couple of things so she owned the nursing home right and she had two workers and if they displeased her in any sort of way and didn't do exactly what she wanted them to do she would obsessively call them retards while she's sitting there drowning them in the toilet giving them swirlies oh yeah and one time shelly was over at her grandma's house right <laughs> and she chopped Shelly's hair off into, like, this wonky, bull-cut-looking thing Aww. because Laura, who we'll talk about her in a second, because Laura wasn't brushing it properly. So she's just like, I'm going to snip it all off. <laughs> and Shelly uses this later on. I mean, like, I was told, if you, like, once I was old enough to brush my own hair and I didn't do it, I was told, like, but brush your hair, otherwise you're going to get it cut, like, shorter. Like, ear like yeah but i don't think i was ever forced to get my hair cut like that well shelly wouldn't let laura brush her hair yeah. and laura tried but we'll we'll talk about that so fast or well kind of rewind i guess 
So Les meets Laura, and Laura was one of his employees at the bowling alley at the time, and I'm pretty sure her name isn't actually Laura, but that's what she is in the book because I've heard her called a bunch of different names. We're just going to call her Laura because that's what she's called in the book. So he would um, flirt around with Laura, and he told Laura that he was only four years older than her. Um, she was 18, so this would make him 22, but he was actually 10 years older than her. Oh. Red flags. <laughs> yeah. But Laura didn't know this, so she thought he was only four years older, even though he was 10. I mean, I could see lying by, like, a few years, like, oh, I'm eight years older than you, but then, like, once yeah. things get serious, you should probably let her know. <laughs> we should just be honest in the first place. My like, mom pretended she was 24 until she turned 30. <laughs> Same, though. <laughs> um, so that would make him 28, hitting on an 18-year-old, which is, I don't know, something just doesn't feel right about that. No. But you do you. But then when you think of, like, a 60 and 70-year-old that are married, and that seems it's, normal, which it's is weird. It's different when you're older, I feel like, but at such a young age like that, it's hard because people are, you know, maturing at different times and yeah. stuff like that. Well, like, so. I was 15, boyfriend was 19. That seemed really bad. Now I'm 21, boyfriend's almost 25, and that's, like... It seems a lot less. Yeah. It's <laughs> no, he's like, almost 26. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. I don't know. I, I think it's just maturity. Yeah. Things, you know, you're growing out, figuring things out in your life. I think teen has a lot to do with it, too. Anytime you hear teen and age, yeah. it's like, you just think young. Red flag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, Les had kids with his previous wife, and um, Laura didn't know about these kids, so there was three of them when they got married. Oh. So they did get married, you know, they got into a relationship, they get married, whatever. And the only people at that wedding was Laura's immediate family, so how was she supposed to know? And then one day Sharon calls and asks, when are you coming to take these damn kids? And Laura's like, oh. (laughs) What kids? (laughs) So this is the first time she hears about the kids, and she's like, oh, okay. Um, So she takes them in. Shelly and Chuck were taken into Laura and Les's care, and Sharon insisted that she cut the youngest. So Sharon cuts ties with these kids. She never calls, just sends cards for birthdays or holidays or anything. And Shelly actually was, like, blaming Les and Laura for not being able to be around her mom and stuff like that. I don't know. It was weird. So let's fast forward to 1967 in the springtime. Les and Laura were notified that Sharon was murdered and she was beaten to death due to her ghetto-ish issues. So she was, like, doing drugs, drinking, hanging out with some pretty shady people. Ah. So Les and Laura and the two kids hop in the car, travel down to California to identify her body because they didn't have anybody else to identify her. Yeah. And Laura insists that they take Paul, who is the youngest of the three despite his behavioral problems. Paul was a handful. (laughs) He had no impulse control. He had no social skills, no kitchen manners. Like, he would go climb up on the counters, open the cupboards, and any food that he didn't want to eat, he would just throw everywhere. How old was he at this time? He was probably, like, seven, eight, nine-ish. So old enough to know better. Yeah. He was wild like an animal, (laughs) is what they said. 
And he even just, carried... I just picture little Tarzan in a house. Yeah, just, like, <laughs> throw it. That's what I pictured, yeah. too. I was like, this guy's... This guy's insane. He even carried a switchblade around with him. This is like a seven, eight, nine-year-old kid carrying around a switchblade throwing food out of the cupboards because he didn't want to eat that. No, it would have to be a pretty responsible eight-year-old for me to give it any kind of knife. Yeah, so... <laughs> Paul, that's Paul for you. Let's talk about Shelly. Oh, Shelly no. <laughs> was 13 at the time, and honestly, she didn't really seem to care that her mother died, even though she was mad that she got taken from her mom, but I don't know, she didn't really care that Sharon died. Like, she never asked about what happened to her or anything. Maybe she just used it to be... I just don't think just, she cared. I, I know, but like, when she was upset that she got taken from her mom, it was probably just to maybe cause... Issues. issues. Maybe she didn't really care. Probably. And once you see what Shelly is like, that's more than likely the case. <laughs> when Shelly arrived, originally Laura could already tell, like, something was off. Um, the middle child, Chuck, he was really quiet, and Shelly would always be talking for him. There was a bunch of assumptions that there was some sort of abuse done to Chuck when he lived with Sharon. And neighbors were reporting, like, every day that they would see him just, like, standing in the window, staring out the window, just bawling. Aww. Like, I don't know. I feel really bad for Chuck. Shelly would tell Laura literally every day that she hated her. Every day. Just, I hate you. She would pitch fits and start fights about going on family trips. Like, if it wasn't her idea, it wasn't good enough. So, like, even if she liked going to Disneyland, if Laura was like, let's go to Disneyland, she's like, no, I don't want to go. Like, <laughs> weird. <laughs> she would lie a lot, and she would use ridiculous excuses to get away with anything she didn't want to do, like homework. She would always say that her siblings destroyed it, and if that didn't work, she just wouldn't go to school. Laura would uh, set out clothes and breakfast for her to make it more smooth for her to get up and get ready to go to school, and Shelly would refuse any of it. She didn't want it because it wasn't her way. She would leave these, like, sacks of garbage bags of clothes at this service station that was down by the school in the bathroom, and she would uh, wear whatever, sometimes she'd wear what Laura would set out for her, and then she would go to the service station, change into jeans and, like, a hoodie or whatever, and then leave behind all the nice brand new dresses just because she didn't want to wear it because Laura picked it out. So she just had this pile of clothes at, like, this gas station bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is the kind okay. of... She just goes in these ridiculous circles. <laughs> um, so Shelly was also signed up for some dance lessons, and she would skip performances and throw fits about going to classes. And you could get Shelly a gift, but it was never good enough for her, and she'd be mad about it. Like... She'd be like one of those kids you see on Facebook that are crying because they got an iPhone... 10 and not an iPhone 11 and it's yeah. the end of the world and they throw it. <laughs> yeah, and even if it was the iPhone 11, she probably wouldn't want it anyways. Yeah. Because she, it wasn't her idea. <laughs> like, she's ridiculous. So eventually she like started gaining more anger towards everything and she had this attitude that everything was owed to her otherwise she would use revenge. Yeah. She was just a super spiteful person. And her favorite activity would be to put tiny pieces of glass into her sibling's shoes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> she would just, like, break up, like, break this bottle, right, and smash it into a bunch of little pieces and put it in her sibling's shoes. 
I mean, I used to do little pranks on my siblings, like put up little like would be cushion on their chair. No, or I took like a, a thing of mayo and I put it in a bowl on the top of my door. So that when Lexi opened it, it would fall on her head. And I also squished a tomato on her head, but I never put glass in her shoe. <laughs> oh my God. The best one I did. I took a bowl of water. I put it on the ceiling. It was like a clear like Tupperware bowl. Mm. And I held it up by a broomstick. I was like, oh my gosh, Lexi, come here. The ceiling's got to leak. Hold this so I can call mom. <laughs> she held the broom that was holding up the water. I've seen that one on like TikTok and stuff. <laughs> I just started laughing and she's like, what? And I was like, the ceiling's not leaking, but you're about to get really wet. <laughs> it worked. I love that. I've but, always wanted to try that one. Oh my god. It was nowhere near as bad as glass in the shoes, though. Yeah, the glass I in the shoes did when it hurt. Um, so when she was feeling spicy, she would offer to do the dishes, but when nobody was looking, she would just go dump all of the dishes in the trash can. She, she like offers to do the dishes. Nobody asked her and she's just like, "Mm, I'm just going to put them in the trash can. I mean, sometimes when a dish is too dirty and I don't feel like cleaning it, I will put it in the trash can. But it's not just, like, one or two. It's the entire (laughs) set of dishes that they used for dinner that night. Like, why even offer if you're just going to put them in the fucking trash can? (laughs) And if she was feeling nice that day, instead of putting it in the trash can, she would just wipe it with a dry rag. So, like, there's still stuff on it. She never got it wet or anything. Wipe it with a dry rag and put it back in the cupboard. Ew. Yeah. She did this just to, like, mess with people. So, let's time travel again to 1969. Shelly's almost 15 now, and for whatever reason, she wanted to stir up some stuff. You know, Shelly's favorite activity is just to piss people off. <laughs> Laura notices that Shelly's late, coming back from school, like, later than usual, because she's usually pretty late. So Laura calls the principal's office, and they learn that she was taken to a juvenile detention center. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Because she had told a counselor that there were some things going on at home, and she just couldn't take it anymore. So Laura's obviously really confused on what the fuck's going on. So they head down to the station because nobody would tell them anything. Yeah. So they get there, and they find out that Shelly accused her father, Les, of beating her and raping her. And Laura and Les are absolutely, like, flabbergasted by this. They're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, we didn't... That didn't happen. So they demand that she gets tested immediately. Yeah. So they do the testing, and they come to the conclusion that she wasn't even touched, but she obviously needs some therapy. And therapy obviously doesn't do anything for her, because we still have a bunch to go through. (laughs) Yeah. And therapy back then was... Probably not the same as it is today. No. (laughs) So... How do we know that this didn't happen? Well, when Shelly was still in custody, Laura wanted to see her, but she was, like, denied being able to see her. Yeah. So she was, um, you know, going through Shelly's room, just kind of tidying things up, trying to find out what the fuck is, like, going on, see if she can find anything. She's investigating. Yeah. And she finds this magazine hidden in her mattress... And the magazine was a true confessions magazine, and on the cover was a story titled, I was raped at 15 by my dad. And the story Shelley told the school counselor and the law enforcement was just about the exact same. <laughs> so she reads this magazine, and she's like, you know what? 
She couldn't even get creative <laughs> with it? No, she just copied it right off the... Like, I would be suing it for copyright. <laughs> yep. After this, Shelly wasn't accepted at her school anymore. <laughs> Understandable. Yep. <laughs> so they had to call around and try and get her into, like, a boarding school, but everywhere was rejecting her. Nobody wanted her. So eventually they sent her off to Laura's parents. And there, Shelly would offer to babysit, and she said she loved it. Until parents would come home and find out that Shelly just barricaded the kids in the room. And just sat on the couch and watched TV and ate snacks. <laughs> the kids were terrified of her. She said, oh yeah, everything's fine, they're just playing in their rooms. Well, she had literally barricaded them in there against their will. And I was like, nope, you can't come out. And then just like chilled on the couch. It's not even hard to watch kids. No, and she did it for free. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I'll offer to babysit your kids for free, but I'm just going to barricade them in their bedrooms. Like, She just liked to torture. Yes. Yes, exactly. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> so Shelly also accused Laura's father of abusing her as well mm. when she was staying at Laura's parents. Um, and they found out when neighbors started raising questions and calling them like, hey, what's going on? So... You know, eventually they finally got a yes from a boarding school. She went to St. Mary of the Valley in Beaverton, Oregon, 40 miles south of Battleground. Laura was just desperate to send her off to mm. some school anywhere was fine at this point. So after a few weeks, just a few weeks of being there, Uh-oh. the sisters called to have Laura and Les pick her up for the weekend. They were like, we need a break. Come and take her for the weekend. <laughs> um, and they didn't accept her back after that. The next year, because uh, she did a lot of shit there, she would wake up in the night just screaming for no fucking reason. Uh, she stole and destroyed a girl's homework, and she would just steal things in general from other girls. And she, just like she did to her siblings, she would put glass in other girls' shoes. And Laura was like, we'll pay anything just to keep her there. Like, we will pay you whatever you want, just keep her, please. And they're like, no, you're taking uh-huh. her, sorry, we're not taking her back. So... From all of that, you can see that Shelly's just kind of a terrible human being and always needed to be the center of attention. She, it's like she wanted to look good and wanted everyone to think that she was like some angel, but really she just wasn't. So, fast forward again. Now Shelly's 18 and she meets her first husband, Randy Rivarto. Sounds fancy. Yes. Sounds like a classy fella. Yeah, and I feel like Randy was a pretty nice guy. So, Shelly starts working in her father's nursing home, and she would get fired. Like, her father owned the nursing home Mm -hmm. that his mother owned at this point, so he owns a bowling alley and a nursing home now. The old ladies could have field trips at the nursing home, or at the bowling alley. (laughs) Field trip to the nursing home. (laughs) So, she worked there. She would get fired, she'd go find a new job, and then come back to the nursing home, get fired, go find a different job, come back, rinse and repeat, you know? Yeah. Until she was finally just fired for good. So, And she decided, well, maybe working just isn't for me. So she would stay at home, uh, she wouldn't cook, she wouldn't clean, she wouldn't work, but she still thought she deserved everything she wanted. So, and people would just give it to her, just to, like, keep her at bay like they're like <laughs> fine just take it if you shut the fuck up and just stay <laughs> you know like for example uh like a new car and a new house so she threw a fit over this vw beetle that she wanted 
Um, she's telling Les that she wanted this car, like this specific car. And Les tried to find her one and he couldn't find one. So he went with this really rare pink Buick convertible. Like, it was a nice car. Okay. But of course she wasn't pleased. <laughs> she threw a fucking fit and she's like, this is not what I wanted. Like, what the fuck is this? And since the car wasn't good enough, now neither was the trailer she was living in. So, Shelly decides to take a bunch of aspirin, but she claimed it to be sleeping pills. Like, she literally took two aspirin, but claimed it to be a bunch of sleeping pills, and she ended up in the hospital because she beat her face in and said a man came in, beat and attacked her and raped her, and took Randy's shotgun. They determined Shelly's wounds were self-inflicted, obviously, before the sheriff Uh left. And then she changed her story, and she went to extreme lengths to try and prove her lie. Uh, all because the trailer she was living in with Randy wasn't good enough for her. It was too dangerous for her. She had taken a couple aspirin, and she was, like, desperately trying to tell the doctors that she took all these sleeping pills. And, like, Randy tried to wake her up, and she wouldn't wake up. She wasn't unconscious. Like, she was pretending to be dead. <laughs> Like, lady, it, it was, it's fucking insane. So, and then eventually Shelly becomes pregnant in the summer of 1974. Everyone was super Aww. happy to hear the news. Um, so Randy's family threw Shelly this, like, baby shower party. They brought her all these gifts for the baby, and, you know, they brought food and stuff like that. But Shelly just stayed in her room the entire time. She didn't come down and say hi to anyone. And she was just sitting in her room until everyone left. What the heck? Yeah. So after everyone <laughs> left, she just threw out all of the gifts. Just trashed them. She didn't want them. But she doesn't work, so she can't afford to buy her baby stuff. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get to that part. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, so she just throws out all of these gifts. And Randy's, I think it was Randy's sister, left her sweater there. So she calls and asks if she could, like... If Shelly could set it aside for the next time that she visits, like, she can come pick it up, or Shelly can mail it to her or something. Yeah. And Shelly's like, yeah, I can mail it, no problem. (laughs) (laughs) What? She's like, I'd be happy to. So Shelly mails it. When his sister received it, it was a nice, clean box. You know, it looked great on the outside. But she opens it up. And Shelly had cut the sweater into a bunch of tiny pieces. Oh. Yeah. So she literally just, like, took some scissors and chopped up her sweater and sent it. Like, why even offer to mail it if you're just gonna chop it up? Yeah. I mean, better than pooping in the box. Yeah. But still. She might as well have, though. (laughs) I'd be pissed. And so Randy's sister calls and is like, what the fuck is this? And confront Shelly about it. And Shelly's just like, oops, it was the mailman. It wasn't me. It was in perfect condition when I sent it, so it must have been the mailman. But the box is sealed, lady. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what the fuck? So, fast forward again. So we're just kind of like skipping through time here just to kind of move yeah. things along faster. Um, so, 1975 of February, Nikki's born. So, Nikki's her first daughter. Okay. Uh, Laura would drive up to see Nikki every day because she didn't really trust that Shelly was going to be a good mom. But she had hopes Understandable. that, like, maybe Shelly would turn herself around after she had a kid. Yeah. That's not the case. Just going to tell you now, that is not mm. the case at all. But Laura hoped. Um, and at this point, Randy's sleeping in his car. 
Oh? Um, because things aren't going too well with them, obviously. Not even the couch, the car. Yeah, the car. <laughs> Out of the house. Yep. <laughs> um, which honestly is better than where she makes people sleep later on. So, um, all Shelly really wanted from him was his paychecks. She would make sure they always got delivered into her hands. So Randy didn't see a dime of his paychecks. Aww. So this is how she bought things. Randy has honestly had enough, regardless of how much he loved Nikki. He just could not do it anymore. So he leaves, and a couple weeks later, or maybe Shelly left, something like that. They split. Yes, they split for a little bit. A couple weeks later, he let them come stay for, like, two weeks. Shelly wanted to make it work. He only missed Nikki, which is why he gave in, and the two weeks were only because she caused so much mayhem and uh, Randy calls it quits for good, files for divorce, sends her back. Nice. Yup. So he's like, I'm done. Good job, Randy. Yup. Except he left Nikki alone with Shelly, which I hate Randy for that. Um, yeah. So this obviously pisses Shelly off. She's livid. So in retaliation, she buys a whole shitload of things to further him into debt, because they're into debt. Oh. Um, and goes on her merry way with Nikki. So, like, they had joint accounts, so she just maxed out all of his credit cards <laughs> and just bought all this stuff that she didn't even need or want. She just bought it just to put him into debt for shits and giggles. Like, it's fucked up. And she even managed to have someone forge his signature so she could get his tax returns. <laughs> yeah. Shelly drops off Nikki with Laura and just goes MIA for, like, a year. She just, she's oh. like, here, have my kid for a little while. I'm going to go, you know, have some me time. So, for a whole year? Yeah, and no explanation at all. She just leaves Laura with Nikki with no explanation. And at this point, Laura wanted to adopt Nikki, but she couldn't. And so, like, eventually Shelly does come back. You know, after a year, she takes Nikki. And Laura wanted to adopt her, but she couldn't. Um, so she would write her letters and send cards to Nikki all the time. Yeah. But Shelly didn't like this, so she would just, like, throw them away. Or put them in a box and shove them in the <sighs> closet. Never gave them to Nikki. So Nikki's probably, like, three or four or something like this at the time. She's a couple years old yeah. at this point. She can walk and she can talk. Shelly would tell Nikki that her father abandoned her. And that her grandma didn't want her anymore and kicked her out. And that it was them Aww. against the world. And she probably thought that she, like, loved her so much because, like, she took care of her. And then, like, well, she probably thinks she just forgot about her once she went back with her mom. Yeah, and she's too young to really process any yeah. of it. So Shelly was just like, yep, she kicked you out. She didn't want you anymore. You were too much for her. And your father abandoned and us, And she too. was too young when she got brought there to think... Why is mommy leaving me? Yeah. So, like, she didn't even... So this is something she probably isn't going to remember, but, yeah, so... Still. Sad. Nikki eventually finds some money in cards that Randy and his parents would send. So Randy and his parents are sending cards, too, and Shelly had hid them and cut tags off of all the items and would, like, replace things with her name. She'd be like, here, I got this for you. Oh. So, but Nikki does find these cards and stuff, and she's like, why have I never seen these? Eventually, Shelly meets this Danny dude, and so Danny moves in, and Shelly's pregnant with a second baby. Shelly and Danny get married. In August 1978, 
Samantha was born. So there were some holes punched into the drywalls and plates shattered in arguments that Shelly and Danny would have. Danny would leave to go cool off and Shelly would pack the girls into the car and go start looking for him until they found him. Like they would not stop until they found him. It would be hours there in this car searching. Jeez. Shelly gets a thrill out of these hunts. And What's um, to leave? Just let him. God. It wasn't her idea, so he had to come back. And um, eventually this marriage ends after five years. Longer so, than I would have expected, but... Yeah. I don't know how he put up with that, but... So they get divorced. Shelly would force Nikki to call any boyfriend that Shelly would have dad. Oh, that so, fucks with the kid. Oh, yeah. So it was, like, even when Nikki would go to school... Shelly would enroll her with the last name of the dude she was seeing at the time. It was her way of creating a new family. So, like, every year Nikki went to school, she would have a new last name. And nobody asked any questions about this. Like, I'm sure it wasn't legal in any sort of way, but nobody was asking any questions about this. Hmm. Um, And for whatever reason, Samantha was, like, the favorite. Nikki was kind of the one that Shelly hated the most for some fucking reason. I don't know. And there was one night that Nikki woke up feeling like, like th- remember this, this is important later on. Okay. So one night Nikki woke up feeling like she was being suffocated by a pillow pressed to her face. She was screaming for her mom and instantly Shelly appeared. Like, she didn't see Suspicious. her barging into the room, just instantly Shelly was there. Nikki told her someone was holding a pillow to her face and Shelly just insisted it was a bad dream. But Nikki knew in her gut that it wasn't. And she thinks about this all the time for years. Because her mom never ran into the room or anything. She was just there. Already in the room. Yeah. So she thinks about this for years. And remember this, because this will come up later. In 1983, Shelly met David Notek at a bar called The Sore Thumb. Like That's literally literally the name of the bar, is The Sore Thumb. Um, and David thought Shelly was just this absolute angel, so he built up the courage to go buy her a drink, and, you know, so they start talking, and, of course, Shelly would make Nikki call him dad, and Nikki hated him because she loved Danny. Danny was, like, the best dad to her because he's who she remembered when she was young. Yeah. And after dating for a while, she tells David that she has cancer, and it's terminal, and she's going to die soon. Oh, I'm sure she does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And David loved the kids, honestly, and he didn't want them to be left without a parent, so he thought, like, this was meant to be. This was God's plan. This is what I need to do. I'm supposed to be their Aww. father when Shelly passes, you know? And so they get married. Like, honestly, David would have been such a sweet guy if he would not have gotten with Shelly. <sighs> so as, like, others... This marriage goes downhill pretty fast. She would uh, push David around and use pretty much anything as a weapon. So Dave was terrified of her. Like the kitchen spatula, weapon. Tape measure, weapon. You know, the white claw cannon sitting right there. That would be a weapon to her. Anything. Um, She would yell at him over any minor inconvenience and tell him that he was an absolute retard. And it would get to the point where he would sit outside with a gun to his head, crying, telling her that he can't do it anymore. Her excuse was, oh, but this is how couples talk things out. It's okay. This is what normal couples do. No, it's not. I know. (laughs) like, what? "What? You throw things and, like, threaten him with random inanimate objects, and 
he gets to the point where he wants to commit suicide and you're like oh don't worry this is normal this is what couples do like what the fuck lady Shelly would sleep during the day while the kids were at school and when like Dave was at work and stuff and she would sit up all night long and Dave usually wasn't home either at this point so she'd just be on the couch sitting there staring up at the ceiling thinking about anything one of the kids did wrong like they forgot to put the dishes away or they didn't shut a light off and she would like sit there and just rile herself up thinking about it and then once she was angry enough she would go into the room bursting through the bedroom door while everyone was just sound asleep flip on the light and tell them how ungrateful they were and push them around and like they didn't know what they did wrong they're sleeping yeah (laughs) just imagine being woken up to someone bursting through your bedroom door flipping on a light and screaming at you for something you don't even know that you did and not even telling you what you did wrong like that's gonna fuck with the kid it was just to the point where they would just apologize they you know they'd be like i'm sorry i'm sorry and shelly would just keep going and then when she was done she'd just be like okay go back to bed (laughs) and then the next day everything was fine like what and the kids couldn't do things like shower or use the bathroom and stuff like that unless shelly gave them permission like when they did go to the bathroom and they had to like pee or poo shelly would sit there and stare at them directly in their eyes and watch them while they use the bathroom. Ew. Yeah. And they could only take showers when Shelly let them. So a lot of the times they were stinky, smelly, greasy. They probably didn't have friends. No. Well, Sammy had some friends. Sammy was actually pretty, like, decently popular in school, but Nikki didn't really have a bunch of friends. But Sammy did make some friends. There's a part in the book about, like, Sammy's friends coming over and using the hot tub and stuff like that. I didn't put this in here. I... I'd have to search through, like, the 17 hours of the book to find it. So I just took the basics. But there is something in there about, like, Sammy's friends would come over every now and again. So, yeah. So Shelly wouldn't let them shower for, like, weeks at a time. So they would go to school greasy, smelly. And a lot of the times they only had, like, one or two sets of clothes that they were allowed to wear to school. Eventually, you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we're going to talk about Christmases. Uh oh. So during Christmas, Shelly would get the kids all of these presents and they would be so excited to open them on Christmas morning, you know, like a kid usually yeah. is. And then, like, immediately after they opened them, Shelly would rip them away from them, lock all the toys in the closet, and put pieces of tape on them so she could see if the kids snuck in to play with them. And she would never let them touch the toys again. So she's like, here's all these presents, but you only get to see them for, like, two seconds, and they're going in the closet. Then what's the point of getting them? Manipulation. I don't know what goes on in this woman's head, but... Might as well just wrap up a bunch of, like, empty boxes. Yeah, literally. (laughs) Um, One year, she made Nikki uh, stay locked in her room the entire Christmas break. Aww. And Sammy wasn't. Just Nikki. Like, to the point where she literally had to pee in a bucket. And she was only allowed to eat when Shelly brought her something, and it wasn't usually, like, good food. It was, like, stale food and weird concoctions she'd make up, and she's just like, hey, this is your breakfast, you know? And Sammy, like, felt bad for Nikki, and, like, in the book, she talks about how there were these kittens. Sammy pulled a rope up in a basket so Nikki could, like, hold one of the kittens, and they, like, Aww. did this secretly, and then she put the, like, kitten back in the basket and put it back down real quick. She's like, hurry so mom doesn't find out, you know? Like, they had to do stuff like that all the time. And the only time that she let Nikki out this entire Christmas break was 
just for Christmas on Christmas Day. That's it. And this year, you know, Shelly did the usual. She got the girls a bunch of presents, whatever, locked them in the closet. She got these really small bear pins to put in their stockings, but she threw a fit when the pins weren't in there. Told them how ungrateful they were and made them search every inch of the house for hours for these tiny little bear pins. And finally, they found the pins hidden inside of a present. Like, how did they do that? She put these yeah. pins inside of a present, make them search for them everywhere when she's the one who hid them inside the present. But she's like, how ungrateful you little bitches are. You lost these little pins. Like, I'm never getting you anything again. Like, <laughs> I don't understand this woman. Another thing she would do is, um, so like one thing about their home is they had quite a bit of land. They had like four acres of land. And this was one of Shelly's favorite things to do to Nikki. Um, it was this thing she called wallowing. She would make Nikki strip down naked in the middle of the night and go stand outside in this hole that was there specifically for wallowing. And Aww. she would make Nikki squat down in the hole and she would spray her with ice cold water from the hose and make her just say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, over and over again, while spraying her with this cold water and mud, telling her how, like, worthless she is and stuff like that. And this is in the middle of the night. This was, like, in the winter time too, so it's freezing cold outside. And then when she finally had enough of that, she would bring Nikki inside for a bath, but the bath was filled with, like, super hot water, like, as hot as Shelly could make it. So you're going from this ice-cold hose shower and mud to this steaming boiling hot bath like that's gonna burn your skin that's gonna hurt yeah that will like no thank you Ugh. ow and she does this like all the time this was something she would do to nikki all the fucking time like a few times a week sometimes every day for a week you know she did this a lot so another thing about shelly is she loves to manipulate and gaslight she would scream at the kids for doing things that they didn't do. So she would make up all these like crazy scenarios and excuses and uh, they could fight her all, all they wanted on it, but Shelly would not stop and she would sit there and she would beat them over it until they got to the point where they were just saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like. <sighs> like a false confession. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll get into some specific examples of this in a second. So... These types of things went on for years and nobody really knew about it. Outsiders thought Shelly was a great mother because that's how she portrayed herself to be. Yeah. You know, she, she, like when Sammy was born, she wouldn't really touch Sammy. She would just kind of let Sammy lay there in her crib or whatever. And there was like dirty diapers everywhere and stuff like that. But if someone like came to visit or something, she would quickly pick up Sammy and act like she's been holding Sammy all day and I can't put her down because she just cries. Like I have to hold her all day long. And these people are like, woman, we know you haven't been holding her all day long because like there's dirty diapers over there and like she's stinky, you know, like she just do stupid little things like that to make yourself seem like this great person. Like she was a god kind of a thing. I don't like her. No. <laughs> no, and you'll like her even less when we get... Oh, gosh. In 1988, Shelly gains custody of Shane Watson. And Shane's her nephew. Oh, okay. Um, Shane's parents weren't very ideal parents. They weren't... Like, they kind of treated him like crap. Um, and so they really couldn't take care of him anymore. 
and he was 13 when he moved in with the Nodex. Shane started going to school with the girls and he was pretty popular at first. You know, he was known as the bad boy because he didn't yeah. really give a shit. He's gone through some shit as a kid, so like he's he's the bad boy. So he gains a lot of friends really fast. He didn't mind his new life because it was way better than before at first. Until Shelly stopped allowing Shane to shower. Shelly got rid of all of his clothes he had brought with him except for one set of clothes that he had to wear to school every day. And kids would stop talking to Shane now because they started viewing him as gross. And nobody was asking any questions about this anyways. I was anyways. like, why... You'd think you would ask, like, hey, do you... Is everything how, okay at home? Yeah, like, how many pairs of clothes do you have? Yeah, you see a kid wearing one thing every single day. And it's yeah. usually dirty and greasy and smelly. Like, you know? Thank you. Even if you're, like, a teacher... And you're a bad teacher, and you don't really care about the kids. You think that like the smell would be enough to make you just like question say things something. a little bit, yeah. yeah. But no, no teachers or strangers or anything asked any questions, and I don't understand why. Um, and any little thing that Shane would do wrong, that's when Shelley would start confiscating his things, and then it started to be his pillow, and then his blanket, and eventually she just took like his whole last mattress away, and he was forced to sleep on the floor. Oh. Yeah, so he didn't even have a bed. So Shane and Nikki start bonding. You know, Shane would talk about his trauma, you know, as a kid. And Nikki would talk about, you know, things that she would go through. And Shane would often try to convince Nikki that they should just run away. But Nikki knows what would happen if they tried running. She's seen it done to Danny. She's seen it done to David many times because Shelly loves a hunt. One time Shane decided he was going to run off packed what he could and off he went you know he was like well if you're not gonna run with me nikki i'm going by myself like i'm out of this bitch so shelly piles the kids and dave in the car and they searched for him non-stop for hours and would not stop until they found him and dragged him back home Aww. and this happens a lot like anybody that would run off on her she would pack everyone into the car well we're going to hunt for him so, Shelly starts to learn of the bond of Nikki and Shane, and she's not a fan. She doesn't like this. Oh. She had to come up with ways to try and tear them apart. She started making them do things like strip off all of their clothes and make them slow dance with each other naked in the living room in the middle of the night. Yeah. And sometimes she would make Sammy and David watch. And they're cousins. So, yeah. like, this is obviously, like, embarrassing, like, humiliating, and just gross. Like, I don't want to go slow dance with my cousin in the middle of the night, naked, in the living room while people are watching me. I don't want to slow dance with my cousin in general. Yeah. No offense, cousins, but... Yeah, no, me neither. (laughs) So, this was her way of trying to tear them apart. And she started making Shane wallow with Nikki in the wallowing hole, and they would have to do this together and she would make them take turns spraying each other and like they would have to do this like there was no way for them to like say no without getting punished even more because she would beat them if they didn't um one time Shelly was absolutely livid with Shane and she for whatever reason just hated Shane like just hated him for no fucking reason so her punishment started becoming a lot more cruel to him and uh, for like she was just really mad at him one night And she decided to take him down to the living room. She stripped him down, duct taped his hands and his ankles together, and she put Icy Hot on his penis. Ow! Yeah. And And ew! Yeah. 
Like, and he <laughs> complained that, like, it burned and it hurt. And she was just like, hmm, deal with it. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know how you would think of that. I don't know. She thinks of these insane ways of torture. And it gets worse, believe it or not. It gets worse. Um, <laughs> and as I put, just when you think it couldn't get any worse, still in the year 1988. So this is all within the span of, like, the same year that all of this stuff is happening. This was a constant thing that would go on every single day. Shelly becomes pregnant with her last daughter, Tori. So she has three kids. There's Nikki and Sammy, and now she's pregnant with Tori. Mm-hmm. Shelly decides that a baby on top of raising three kids, because, you know, Shane's there, so she's technically raising three kids. Raising, in quotations, because she's not fucking raising these kids. Yeah. She's a shit mother. She decided, this is going to be really rough, and the baby's about to pop, so how about we invite my good friend, Kathy Loreno, to move in to be the live-in nanny? And Kathy was, like, her BFF. Kathy oh, didn't know fun. what a sociopath she was, though. Kathy worked at a hair salon, and her and Shelly were pretty good friends. Kathy was going through some things at home. Um, she wasn't getting along with her family, and she had just gotten fired for her job after making a risky career move. Um, she wasn't selling enough product, so they were just like, you're done. Deuces. So she wasn't holding up her end of the business, and like I said, she was fighting with her mom and her family because she was living with her mom. Things just weren't really going well for Kathy. So Shelly takes advantage of this and says, Oh, Kathy, I just want you to help out. Why don't you come stay with me? You could help me take care of the baby. And in exchange, just... you can live here rent-free. All you have to do is just help me clean, do some yard work, and take care of the baby. Like, that's all. <laughs> you know? And yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy, not knowing what an absolute fucking monster Shelly is, she's more, like... She's more than likely under the impression that Shelly still has cancer, too, because Shelly goes on with this cancer thing forever. Ah. She's still got <laughs> terminal cancer. Okay. She probably should have died, like, six years ago, but she still has terminal cancer. Um, so, Kathy feels bad, and she's just, like... She, she thinks that Nikki and Shane are absolute hellions on wheels because Shelly makes them sound like they're these monstrous kids. Um, so she feels bad, and Shelly's just this perfect angel that just needs some help. You know, and Kathy hesitates at first because she's like, I don't want to be a bother. I don't want to, like, intrude. And Shelly's like, oh, no, it's fine. And once you get, like, yourself on your feet, you'll be out. It's fine. Once the baby gets a little bit older and things become easier, it'll be fine, you know? Uh So Kathy's like, okay, fine. So Kathy moves in and Tori is born. Tori was only born a week early, but Shelly being Shelly was telling everybody She's a preemie, and she has this heart condition because she was born so early, and she's got all these medical problems. Like, I can't even sleep. She doesn't even breathe half the time. I always have to do CPR on her. So, Shelly had this machine that had an alarm on it. So, like, when she wasn't breathing properly, this alarm would go off. Yeah. And Shelly was always taking care of it by the time that, like, the kids and stuff would get there. And Tori's face would always be beet red. One night, Nikki couldn't sleep. Ugh. So she went to go check in on Tori, even though no alarms had gone off yet, because they would go off every single night. Yeah. Nikki walks into Tori's room, and there she sees Shelly standing over Tori with a pillow in her hands, right by Tori's face. And she's a fucking infant. Yeah. And 
Shelly was obviously, like, taken aback by this. She was shocked because she wasn't expecting Nikki to be there. Mm-hmm. And she looks at Nikki and she says, It's okay. Tori's okay now. I was just putting your pillow in her crib. But Nikki yeah, she, remembered... She shouldn't have a pillow in the crib, but... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Nikki remembered that night that Shelly had tried to convince her that it was all a dream. Mm-hmm. So ever since that, Nikki made it a point to take extra care of Tori because she knew it wasn't a dream. She knew what Shelly was doing. Yeah. So, first, Shelly treated Kathy fine, you know, like an actual human being, until Kathy started getting comfortable, and then the same sorts of things that happened to Shane was starting to happen to Kathy. Things in Kathy's room started going missing, like her knitting supplies, her pictures, sentimental belongings, and eventually her bedding was taken, so she was forced to sleep on the floor. Then came her clothes. Kathy was forced to do all of her chores around the house nude. In front of kids. In front of kids. Rarely was she allowed to wear her clothes. (laughs) And, like, there are home videos and stuff out there on the internet that, like, show Kathy... You know, she is wearing her clothes, so, like, sometimes she can wear her clothes, but not all the time. Majority of the time, she was naked. Strange. Yeah. Shelly would also take Kathy outside and make her run up the hill, and then she would push her down. Just for shits and giggles, and this would go on for hours. And this was Shelly's way of helping Kathy get better from her terrible habits of sleepwalking. Oh, it sounds like something I would do to my siblings... Saying, like, oh, this is going to be fun. But then, like, someone ends up getting hurt, and you're like, oh, whoops, I won't do that again. Yeah, but she does this she, all the time. Yeah. She doesn't learn from it at all. Um, so you know how I said that Shelly likes to make up these crazy scenarios? Yeah. Just to yell at people? So she would blame Kathy for this sleepwalking and this sleep eating. And Kathy obviously wasn't doing this. But Shelly would go and put, like, candy wrappers in Kathy's mattress. <laughs> she would make a pie look half-eaten and shove it under Kathy's bed, basically to, like, set up the scene so it looked like it had been done. And the kids would see this. Yeah. But they knew they couldn't say anything because they'd be punished for it. Um, so this, she probably thinks she's going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hardcore form of <laughs> manipulation. Like, she's like, I'm not doing this. Like, what are you talking about? And Shelly's like... Of course you don't remember, Kathy. You were asleep. Like, you were sleepwalking, so of course you don't remember, you know? Kathy would consistently deny ever have doing any of it, but Shelly, you know, like I said, she'd say, of course you don't remember, like, you were sleepwalking. But this needs to stop. Like, this needs to stop. And eventually it progresses, and she accuses Kathy of walking into Shane's room and wanting Shane sexually. So she's like, you walked into his room naked. And Shelly asks Shane if this was true to try and, like, back up her proof. And Shane, you know, agrees because he knew what would happen if he denied it. Like, he had to agree to it. So this is when Shelly really started taking away most of Kathy's things, restricting her to basic needs. Like, showers could only be taken outside naked with the hose. And instead of soap for a shower... She would pour bleach on her. Oh, yeah. That's good for you. Yeah. So she would use bleach as soap. And this happened so often that they were buying new bottles of bleach, like, literally every week. Ow. Yeah. 
So she's pouring like a whole bottle of bleach on Kathy. And so they're buying these new bottles of bleach every week. How wouldn't you Think like how much bleach burns your eyes when you just spray it in the same room as you? Yeah. And uh, like now it's even on getting you. it on your hands burns. Yeah. So like imagine it covering your whole body. And especially the part where she's, you know, been beaten and stuff before. So she has open wounds. Oh. And these are going into her wounds and oh, stuff. Oh, it's probably destroying her hair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whatever hair she even has left. Yeah. Because, you know, Shelly would chop it up and uh, interesting little haircuts. Like, Kathy used to have really pretty long hair. She, she worked at a hair salon, so she obviously took yeah. really good care of her hair. She had nice hair. But Shelly was like, mm, we're going to chop it all off and make it look terrible. So eventually she starts locking Kathy into the closet, and Shelly would talk to Kathy through the door and be like, it's okay, Kathy. I won't let anybody hurt you. You're going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when the kids would come home from school, she would act like Kathy had just been like hiding out in there all day, and she would make them search all over the place for her. And then she would go open up the closet, and she'd be like, oh, I found her. Oh, Kathy, what's going on? Like, why are you so scared? Is it Shane? Are you scared of Shane? Like, it's okay. There's nothing to be afraid of. It's okay. I'm here. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Like, she hated Shane, so Shane was just the person to blame for anything. I don't, I don't know. And at this point, Kathy would only be fed, like, stale food and a puree of, like, moldy foods that Shelly would concoct together and decide that it's this tasty meal for her. So, (laughs) obviously, she's got a lack of nutrition going on. Yeah. Um, She's, like, getting really skinny and stuff like that. And Shelly, so, you know how I said that she'd have to walk around the house naked and stuff like that? Yeah. Shelly would make the kids snap rubber bands at her while she was naked. And she would make them, like, stab her in the leg with scissors. And she would make Shane punch and kick her and stuff like that. And if Shane would refuse, like one time he did, and she literally duct taped him naked to the wall. Oh. Yeah. Naked duct taped to a wall. That's an excessive timeout. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And imagine peeling it off. And especially, like, because you're naked, so that's going over, like, your private parts, too. So, like... And those are sensitive areas. Yeah. You know, like, the nipples? Ow. Um, so, when they would go grocery shopping and stuff, because Kathy looked so malnourished at the point, like, you could tell. And, her, like I said, her hair is cut all lopsided and terrible, and she didn't want people to see this, but she wasn't going to leave Kathy at home alone. Yeah. So, they would shove her in the trunk. And they would make her sit in the trunk while they're just out shopping at the mall or doing laundry. So she would be there for hours. That's... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So... And, like, if it's hot outside, you can imagine how hot it is in there. Yeah. I'm kidding. Um, so Shelly would make Kathy also write these letters and postcards to her family that she fell in love with this trucker named Rocky and that she was never coming back to this town. (sighs) And her family honestly wasn't surprised because of everything that was going on. So they're just like, I understand. Like, I hope you have a good life, you know? So nobody was really asking anything. Nobody was raising any questions. And eventually Shelly decided it would be best if Kathy slept outside so she had Kathy sleeping in this four 
foot by four foot shed. Probably didn't even fit in there, I'm guessing, unless she was no. really short. You gotta be, like, curled up in a ball. Like, even <laughs> I wouldn't fit in a 4x4 four four shed. Mm-mm. So, uh, and this happened the majority of the time for a while. And, you know, eventually uh, she would let her come inside and stuff like that. But for a while, she was sleeping out in the shed. And Shelly decides that all of the stuff she's doing to Kathy just isn't enough. She's got to take it up a notch. Oh, of course she does. Yeah. So she takes up the hobby of waterboarding. Oh, my gosh. Except it's not your typical waterboarding. Because you know how waterboarding, you put a towel over their face, you put water on their, you know, the towel to make them feel like they're drowning, but they're not. That's not what she did. She would tie Kathy up to this board and literally dump her head into a bucket of water and drown her repetitively for hours. So oh. she would just be drowning her for a little bit at a time. So she was actually drowning. Yes. <laughs> so this is like a whole new type of waterboarding. Yes. I don't think she really understood what waterboarding was. Isn't waterboarding also a sport? Yeah. Like, isn't that I a think thing? That's where you, like, get on a waveboard or whatever? Kneeboarding. No, uh, is it knee? Not. It's like water skiing or something like that. Yeah. But, like, with a board. Yeah. So it's kind of like skateboarding, but on the water, behind a boat. Because there's water skiing, there's water boarding, and then there's, like, the, um... The knee one. There's knee one boarding. Where, I think it's, like, boarding? knee boarding is what it is, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I might the, be thinking... The washcloth with the water is not actually a sport. No, that's not a sport. <laughs> no. Thank God it's not. That would be some twisted Olympics. <laughs> um... So while she's sitting there waterboarding Kathy, she, you know, was doing this for hours... And, um, she would sit there and yell at her for being fat and worthless while she's sitting there, like, drowning her. <sighs> and even though at this point, because of Shelly's interesting diet... She wasn't fat at all. Yeah. <laughs> and this diet also included, like, she would make Kathy eat, like, a whole ass cup of salt. Like, just salt. Ew. So, like, a literal cup. Like... Can you imagine, like, the measurement of a cup? Yeah. She would fill that with salt and just make Kathy eat that. I feel like that would make you sick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, one day, Kathy was allowed back inside, and um, Shelly and the kids were out at the mall, and Dave was at home, and he heard some gargling going on as Kathy's laying there. So, he goes in to check on Kathy, and by the time he gets there, Kathy's gone. She had drowned in her own vomit. Oh. Yeah. And Dave tries to give her CPR, you know, and obviously he wasn't successful. Um, And she's just got, like, vomit all up in her nose. You know, you can see it all up in her mouth. Yeah. So Dave calls Shelly and says that they need to come home right now. So Shelly and the kids come back, and they're all given the news. And the kids Mm. knew what happened because they saw Kathy. But... Shelly decides to send the girls off to the motel for a while. Shane's still with them, so she just sends the two girls, or the three girls, to a motel for the night. Tells them not to answer the door or anything. Don't talk to anybody. Just stay here. So she leaves and goes back to the house with Dave and Shane. And they take Kathy's body out to the backyard, and they burn her body. And they had to do this for hours, you know, because the fire had to be hot enough to actually burn her. And then, so Dave scoops up all of her ashes... And he goes to this place that's literally called Wash Away Beach, which is, like, meant for washing things away. 
Uh. And he dumps her into the ocean while Shelley was ridding all of Kathy's belongings. So there goes Kathy. So Shelley brings the girls back home and tells them that they need to do a chore for her. Oh, no. Ew. She told them <laughs> that they burned some uh, insulation in the fire pit back there. And, uh, you know, it's bad for the environment, so they got to pick up what's remaining of the insulation. Girls obviously knew what they were looking for. Yeah. You know, so they go and grab their buckets, and, you know, they couldn't say no. And so they're picking up the remains of Kathy, like little bits of bones and teeth that didn't burn. And they'd have, they it took them days to do this. So for days, they're scooping through ashes, picking up bones and teeth of Kathy. Yeah. I think I just read something, and I'm pretty sure it said that um, a body has to burn at over 2,000 degrees for, like, hours for it to be, like, gone. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I was looking into a different case to see whether or not these people disappeared in the fire. We'll probably get to that one later, but... Yeah. So it had to be really hot, and... Dave knew that, and Dave's the one who had to burn Kathy's body. Um, yep. So, Shelly thinks about, you know, what if the family asks any questions? So, she has Nikki study Kathy's handwriting, like, uh. practice for days, perfecting it, um, and makes Nikki forage these letters to Kathy's family that Kathy was running away off with her trucker lover, Rocky, to Hawaii, and that she was never coming back again. Rocky, and they're going to Hawaii. Yep. Wow, that sounds like a movie. <laughs> I wouldn't believe that if I got that well, letter. Well, she had already had, like, her send letters that she was in love with this trucker named Rocky, yeah. whatever. And she's like, sayonara, I'm off to Hawaii with Rocky. We're gonna go be in love in Hawaii. Like, so nobody was really questioning it. Um, you know, obviously, like, the police came and asked some questions, but she had the proof of the postcards and stuff like that. Proof. Yeah. Um, so the police didn't really do anything. They're just like, well, she's gone. She's off in Hawaii now. No reason to ask any more questions. And Shelly remembers one thing that can't be covered. Shane knew what happened because he was there when they were disposing of the body. And yeah. Shelly was convinced that Shane was going to tell. He should have. He should have. Right away. <laughs> yeah. And she tried to tell Shane that if They Shane... should have called 911 when they saw... What, Dave was his name? Yeah. When he heard gurgling and went in the room. Shelly specifically told him not to call 911. She said that they didn't want the police involved in this. Yeah. Man only had half a brain then. She was trying to protect her family, in her words. The death was accidental. But you can tell how malnourished Kathy was. You know, she had bruises and stuff all over her body, and her hair's gone. She's super skinny. You know, you can tell she's been neglected, so they would have asked questions. They would have done an autopsy on her. They should (laughs) have. They should (laughs) have. But Kathy's gone. There's nothing left that they can really do. Um, so she tried to tell Shane that if Shane would ever tell, like, if he actually went and told the police, she was just going to blame it on him and tell them that he did everything. And she would consistently remind him of this loudly. Um, and she would always say, Shane's going to tell. He's going to tear this family apart and he's going to try and bring us down. 
and he's going to tell. And no matter how many times Shan would reassure that he wasn't going to say anything. Well, he's probably afraid of her. Yeah, I would be too. And this went on for more than a year. She would call Dave every hour while he was at work and over the phone tell him that Shane was going to tell and he needed to man up and do something about it. Um, one day Dave came home and Shelly was just an absolute wreck and she was holding up this pair of bloody underwear that she said she found in the woodshed that sometimes she would make the kids sleep in. And at this point, this is where Shane was sleeping, was out in the woodshed. Uh-huh. She told Dave and the kids that Shane raped Tori. The girls obviously didn't believe this, but Dave, on the other hand, he did. And he beat the shit out of Shane that night for hours and brutally. They didn't and look at Tori to see? No. Well, Tori was so little that they're, you know, I don't know. Dave, I think there was just, Dave was a person that was really innocent at first, you know, and he was manipulated and gaslit. He's just brainwashed at this point. So he does whatever Shelly tells him to do. I mean, do. I said he had a half brain when he didn't night one one. But yeah, he literally <laughs> had Maybe like he just brain. has a half brain. I don't know. And like I said, I feel like Dave would have been a really sweet person if he wouldn't have gotten with Shelly. Yeah. Like... I don't know. Maybe not the brightest man, but... No. Definitely not the brightest. (laughs) But definitely, you know, innocent and sweet. Yeah. A few weeks later, after he beat Shane, Shane was gone. Oh? Yeah. Shelly knew what happened, but she told the girls that Shane was gone. They hopped in the car, you know, because the girls are obviously asking questions, too. Like, where did he go? So they hopped in the car, and you know how they would usually spend hours trying to find them until they found them? Yeah. This time they searched for about an hour, and this was unusual, um, and Nikki knew something was off, but after about an hour, they turn around and go home. And Nikki would always ask, like, when are we going to go look for Shane again? Where is Shane? Like, when are we going to go look for him? Yeah. So Shelly comes up with this excuse and says, Oh, yeah, Shane called. You know, he's fine. He went to Alaska to be a fisherman. It's what he always wanted to do. He's living his dream. He's okay. He called. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, Nikki and Sammy didn't really know whether or not to believe this. Like, they hoped that that was the case. You know, that he was off in Alaska living his dream. I feel like they wouldn't have believed it as... Much as she thought, because why would... If he had gotten away from her, why would he call her and tell her where he is? Yeah. Like, I would be like, no, you're in my past. Like, I'm going to miss my adopted siblings, I guess. But, like, fuck you. Because (laughs) Nikki and Shane were... Close. Yeah, they were very close, regardless of everything Shelly tried to do to them. Yeah. So Nikki and Sammy would, you know... Whenever they'd go out, they'd, like, scan the crowd, like, searching for his face just to see if they could find him because they didn't know where he was, and it's honestly really sad. And we'll talk about what actually happens to Shane later. But now that Shane is gone, Nikki and Sammy have gotten a little bit older, and Shelly doesn't want the same sort of bond that Nikki and Shane had to happen with Nikki and Sammy. So she wouldn't allow them to even talk to each other or even, like, look in the same direction. Why does she care? I, she doesn't want them to tear them apart from her bond with the kid. I don't know. 
But remember, she didn't like Nikki for some reason. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know. It's just so weird. Um, and she would convince Sammy that Nikki was a bad influence, that Nikki was just this terrible person. And um, eventually Shelly comes up with this great idea of how to get rid of Nikki for good. Oh. Nikki was so relieved of her dream of leaving, you know, it's finally coming true. She's, like, ecstatic about it. Yeah. And so she admits Nikki into college. So she's staying at home while she's going to college. And Nikki's the only one really doing any of the yard work. And Nikki was still punished whenever she'd do anything wrong. And so Shelly, you know, was doing what she did to Kathy in the beginning. She took away all of Nikki's clothes, except her yard work clothes. Made her sleep on the floor exactly where Kathy slept. And when this wasn't enough to keep Nikki, like, contained, you know, she said, all right, fine. We're sending you off to your aunt's house, where she was only supposed to stay for a few weeks. But then that turned into a few months. And then, you know, she was just living there. Yeah. And so Nikki is obviously super happy. She's finally out of there. Tori, on the other hand, missed Nikki a lot because Nikki was the one who was looking out for her, you know. But Shelly was convincing Tori that Nikki just hated the family, so she just ran off. That's, and huh. Tori's so little at this point, you know, she's probably like, uh, she's a little older than a toddler, you know, she's probably like six or seven, you know. Um, so Tori writes this note to Jesus telling him that she knows Nikki hates the family, but to please bring her back because she misses her. Aww. You know, I know That's it's... such a kid thing. I, and it's so heartbreaking. Like, it literally shatters me. Shelly finds this note. Uh-oh. And she's obviously upset about it, you know? So she beat Tori for it, and she told her that Nikki was beating Shelly up and that she's the reason why Shelly has cancer. Oh. Yeah, so Nikki's the reason why Shelly has cancer, because she was beating Shelly up. Yes, because Which, abuse can give you cancer. Yeah, it's so fucking weird. <laughs> and, you know, Laura, Laura's obviously, like, questioning this, because Laura works in the nursing home, so she's a nurse. So, yeah. you know, and Dave still thinks that Shelly has cancer. You know, Laura checks in and goes, like, oh, how's the cancer going? Like, how's your chemo going? And, you know, she raises it to Dave and... um when Kathy was there, she raised it to Kathy, too. She was asking these questions like, have you ever actually went to her chemo appointments? Have you ever seen an actual medical bill? And Dave is like, no, I just drop her off at the hospital and she goes to chemo. Uh. And they're just so convinced that Shelly has cancer that they fight with Laura on it. And Kathy goes, you know, you need to be a better mother because Shelly is suffering over here. So, I don't know. Somehow she's convinced everyone that she's <sighs> got cancer. So, back to Nikki. Nikki starts working at Baskin Robbins, and she's also working at this motel, and Shelly directs Dave to start stalking Nikki. So he's stalking Nikki wearing this fake mustache as a disguise. <laughs> like, <laughs> literally just a fake mustache. Like, Dave, come on. If you're going to put yourself in disguise, at least be a little more creative. But man has a half of a brain. Yeah, literally. literally. Um, I, he would do things like throw rocks and bricks at the windows and, like, terrorize the place. And he would also call the places and tell them, like, bad stuff about Nikki, that she's just a terrible person and stuff like that. She hopes... probably knew who was behind this. Oh, she definitely yeah. knew. Um, and I'm sure she probably told her bosses about this, too, you know, maybe. Yeah. Know. Nikki doesn't really talk about it much, either. 
Because, I mean, that's got to be something that's really hard to talk about and explain to somebody that Especially you're working for. Especially because she's still kind of young. Yeah. In 18, 19, I'm guessing. I think she's, like, in her early 20s at this point. Yeah. I still like feel that. like it'd be hard to talk about, at least, until you were out for, like, five years, and then maybe you'd be more open about it. Kind of. It's a really hard thing for them to talk about, so they didn't really say anything for a long time. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll talk about it, though. Um, so, Shelly and Dave's intention was that they were hoping the bosses would look at Nikki and go, Oh, everything has been terrible since we hired this bitch, so we should just fire her because she's bad luck. Yeah, You know, like, <laughs> that's definitely going to work. So, some time passes, and now it's time for Sammy to start college. Um, because Nikki was able to get away from everything, uh, she didn't want the same thing to happen to Sammy. So she made sure that Sammy's applications were never in on time. And Sammy just wanted to go to college. You know, that was her dream, just like Nikki. She wanted to be like Nikki. So Sammy runs off, and she goes to stay with Laura for some time. And it's about a year, and... At this time, Nikki was staying there, too, so the sisters are, you know, reunited. Aww. Shelly hated this. <laughs> yeah, Shelly was jealous. That's fine. Fuck Shelly. Yeah, right? We don't care. Shelly was super jealous about them staying with Laura. She's like, no, you cannot look at her as a mother figure. Like, I am your mother. This is not right. This is insane. So, Sammy decided to give Shelly this ultimatum and tells her... Hey, if you let me resubmit my applications and you pay for my college, I'll stay at the dorms during the week, but I'll still keep in contact with you. Like, I'll still talk to you and I will visit with you and I'll keep you in my life. So Shelly accepts this offer and Sammy starts college. Okay. (laughs) Which, I mean, good for Sammy. She still gets to, you know, go to college, stay at the dorms and stuff, but... Should have just dropped her mom. Yeah, but her mom's paying for college true even with money that she didn't even have like shelly's still in a lot of debt they don't have a whole lot of money because she doesn't work dave's the only one working um so with nobody left to take out her frustration on and terrorize everything like wasn't going to plan for shelly so tori became her newest victim and made target she started beating tori and she would make tori put literal garbage in her underwear Like, wrappers and stuff like that. Um, And she'd make her do this while she was doing chores. Like, she would also send Tori out to do yard work. And while doing this yard work, she would have Tori keep this axe in her underwear. Like, down your pant, like, in her underwear. And she would have to do yard work with an axe in her pants. That's gonna be really uncomfortable and gross. Because I'm assuming the axe isn't clean. God, no. I don't know anyone that cleans their axes. <laughs> it sounds like clean their asses. I mean, I, I hope everyone cleans their asses, but I don't think anyone cleans their axe... Axe-i? Axe-i. <laughs> the axes. The axes. The axes, yes. I don't know. The plural axe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, you can imagine this is super uncomfortable. Um... Once a month, Shelly would do this thing called a puberty check. Oh, fun. She would bring Tori into the living room, make her take off all of her clothes, and she would, like, examine her breasts and, like, check out her hoo-ha to make sure everything was growing properly. 
Which is weird. And, like, when Tori would be like, this is weird, you know, Shelly would go, well, what, you think I'm perverted or something? Like, yeah. So Tori (sighs) just had to let this happen, um, even though she knew it wasn't normal. Like, what was she supposed to do? Um, And one time during one of these puberty checks, Shelly gives her a pair of scissors and tells her she needed to cut off a piece of her pubic hair for her baby book. Ew. Yeah. Ew, 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 ew. And Tori, I got grossed out when I saw, I think it was my sister's hair in her baby book. I was like, that's gross. Yeah, let alone but pubic hair. That was just her, like, baby fuzz on her head. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, pubic hair? No, no, no. no. So, Tori <laughs> is like, what the fuck, mom? Like, this isn't normal. Like, parents don't do this. My friends' parents don't do this. This isn't something that I should be doing. But Shelly, you know, argues with her, and, you know, so she had to do it. So defeated in the argument, Tori shamefully, like, takes the scissors and walks to the bathroom, snips off a piece, and, like, without making eye contact, she's like, here, and attempts to give Shelly her pubic hair. And Shelly just starts laughing and goes, I can't believe you actually did that. I don't want that. That's disgusting. I just wanted (laughs) to see if I could make you do it. Like, what? 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 (laughs) But if she didn't do it, she probably would have gotten in trouble. Exactly. So, because Tori knew what would happen if she didn't. Oh. Yeah. And, like, Shelly would put this disinfectant powder in Tori's underwear and make her wear it, even though it burned, because she told Tori, that's how people keep clean down there. You're disgusting. You need this to stay clean. Like, this is how women clean their vaginas. No. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what the fuck? Imagine the infections that's going to cause. She would also make Tori clean out the dog kennel. And if she forgot, she would literally make Tori crawl in there. She would lock her in there and spray her with the cold hose. So it was like there's a bunch of dog poop and urine yeah. and mud and cold water flying around while she's locked in this kennel. Like, that's absolutely disgusting. And it's like, I can't believe somebody would do this kind of shit to their kid. Like, I don't know. I don't know how she came up with all this. I don't know. It's, I want to know what goes through this woman's fucking brain. Um, so because everything was still too much for Shelly, there was too much to do with only Tori around. She (laughs) decided she needed another companion to come help out. Oh. She befriends a man by the name of Ronald Woodworth. Okay. So, Ron, he, you know, he's just had a heartbreak with his lover. He just got fired from his job. He lost his home. He is vulnerable. Yeah, he didn't really have any family to stay with, so he's basically lost everything at this point. You know, he's sad. So, of course, Shelly's like, oh, you can come stay with me. All you have to do is help me out with the house and do some chores. Dave, you know, on the other hand, is a little bit weary about it, so he raises some questions, but Shelly assures him that Ron is gay, and he was, so that was the end of that discussion. She's like, he's gay, it's fine. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, so Ron starts doing some work around the house, and then eventually he isn't allowed to leave, and you know how this goes. Yep. (laughs) Shelly restricts his diet to strictly toast, water, and sedative pills. Oh. So that is the only thing he's putting in his system. 
She takes away his bed, his clothes, his belongings, and even his shoes. So Ron was always barefoot. And, it, like, she would even force him to drink his own pee. Ugh. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. And so at this point, you know, Nikki's out on her own. She's working, living her life, and she decides to make a visit to Laura. So she's spending the night, and they were sitting down in the living room, you know, watching some true crime with some popcorn, you know, nice therapeutic, like, true yeah. crime stuff. But it wasn't so much therapeutic for Nikki. It was very yeah. unsettling for her. Um, so she goes to bed, and she wakes up in the morning, and she's just an absolute wreck. And she tells Laura everything. And Laura knew some things were off with Shelly. Like, she's had suspicions about, like, the cancer stuff, and especially with how Shelly was as a child, but she didn't know it was this intense. Yeah. She wasn't aware. So Laura immediately calls two police stations, the one in her town and the one that Shelly lives in. Yeah, so she has a brain. Yes. That's good. And she tells them that she knows what happened to Kathy, and she knows what happened to Shane, and they both make their statements, they fax them in, and the police did nothing with the information. Ah, yes. They didn't do anything. Lovely. <laughs> so Nikki goes straight down to the police station and makes a full-on statement to their face and tells them that there's another person living there and her little sister lives there and that the same thing is going to happen to him if they don't take action right now. So the officer says, okay, we'll do something about it. And, you know, Nikki's panicking because she's like, what is Shelly going to do to me now that I told? Yeah, the you first know? time she tried telling, they didn't do anything. So she's probably thinking, oh my gosh, they're not going to do anything again. And then she's going to know that I said something and she's not going to be in jail. <laughs> they didn't even check in on the household. They're like, yeah, we'll do something about it. And they did nothing. Okay. They didn't even make a phone call. Nothing. So Nikki, you know, feels like there isn't really anything else she could do. So she just moves on with her life. Yeah. She gets married, and Sammy's at the wedding, but, you know, obviously Shelly's not. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> Nikki's just living the life that she's always wanted to be living. She's doing really good for herself. But meanwhile, back at the Nodic house, things are spiraling. Ron isn't doing so hot, and they're coming up with even worse methods of torture that they had ever had before. They would literally make Ron jump from the roof of the house barefoot, resulting in, like, sprained and broken legs and ankles. But I'm guessing they didn't take him to the hospital? Nope. <laughs> nope, they did not. And after that, they would make him take a boiling hot bath mixed with bleach. Oh. Like, it was so bad to where his flesh was literally decomposing on his living body. It was melting off of him That's and scary. rotting, and you could smell it. Well, because, like, hot water steams with, like, the bleach in it. Like, that's just gonna... It's literally boiling his skin off of him. And Shelly would literally, like, put a pot of water on the stove and boil it, and then pour it over his feet. Ow. Yeah. Boiling water poured on your feet. I cry when I put pasta into boiling water, and it splashes me a little. Yeah. I'm like, Imagine that all over your feet. Yeah, No. (laughs) So, you know, at this point, Ron has lost all of his hair, he's lost all of his teeth, and he's not doing good. One morning, Tori wakes up, and shocker, Ron is nowhere to be found. Uh. She asks her mom where he is, and Shelly says that he's healing at a friend's house. I'll go over there and take care of him every day, but he's going to be staying at his friend's house. And Tori can't talk about this to anybody, though. Yeah. So she's like, okay. And, you know, obviously this isn't the case. Ron was dead. So 
Shelly ships Tori off to stay with Sammy at her dorm for the weekend. You know, Tori, not knowing why, but she's, you know, like, absolutely excited. She gets to go see her sister. She's like, this is awesome. She hasn't seen Sammy in forever. So, Tori arrives at Sammy's dorm, and they're having, like, the best time ever. They're watching movies Tori normally wouldn't be allowed to watch. They're making jokes and, you know, just having fun. And Sammy's like, all right, we're going to go visit Nikki and have lunch. And Nikki's, like, 28 at this point. Yeah. Um, and Tori's, like, terrified of this idea because she's been convinced for years that Nikki hated her and the family. And she's like, this is a bad idea. I don't want to go. But Sammy's <sighs> like, just go. You'll see that Nikki isn't a bad person or the devil Shelly makes her out to be, you know? Like, it'll be fine. So Tori's like, okay, whatever. We'll go. And as soon as Tori saw Nikki... That took away all the fear she had of Nikki instantly. She didn't even think about the horror stories that Shelly would tell her about Nikki. And she loved Nikki, and she knew that Nikki loved her, too. Like, she could feel it, and she didn't want to go back home. She's like, this is awesome. She probably knew her mom was lying, too, at that point. Yeah. Like, just... So, speaking of home, back at home, while Shelly and Dave were shipping Tori off, They had shoved Ron's body in the freezer to, like, hide him and rid of the smell. And now that Tori was with Sammy, they could get rid of his remains. But there was a problem. He was stuck in the freezer? No, there was a fire ban. Oh. (laughs) I thought he got, like, freezer burnt to the side or something. No, there was a fire ban. Yeah, that's that's a problem, too. (laughs) So they obviously couldn't burn him, so their temporary solution was to bury him in the backyard until the ban was lifted. So they dug him a deep-ass grave, you know. Yeah. Investigators are, you know, they're asking some questions, like like they did with Kathy, but before Shelly had proof, and she doesn't really have any proof with Ron this time. So they're a little suspicious because this is the second time now. But Dave plays it off as, like, Shelly was just scared of calling 911 because of the thing. Some things that happened in the past, you know, she's traumatized. She's just trying to yeah, protect the family. Yeah, she's traumatized. Yeah. <laughs> okay. She didn't do anything wrong. She just worries about literally everything. But everything is fine and dandy here. It's okay. And that was that. <laughs> that was it. <sighs> pisses me off so much. So, back at Sammy's dorm, they just had some lunch with Nikki. Sammy and Tori are just, you know, still having a grand time, and they're doing some laundry. And Sammy starts joking about how the one time that Shelly had woken Sammy up in the middle of the night, dumping all her laundry on her because she thought Sammy had misplaced a sock. And if Sammy didn't find that sock, she wasn't allowed to go back to sleep. So, you know, isn't that just hilarious? So they're just laughing about it. And Tori goes, yeah, she does that to me, too. And Sammy stops dead in her tracks, and she's like, what? Because for whatever reason, the two sisters never really saw anything happen to Tori. Yeah, they probably thought, oh, it's the baby. Exactly. You know, maybe she's actually somewhat caring for her. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know how the youngest is always, like, the favorite yeah. a lot of the time? The spoiled one. So... Other than getting yelled at, they didn't really think anything was happening to Tori. They weren't there, so they're not really aware of the things that were happening after they left. They probably felt like shit, too. Oh, yeah. And Sammy says, Tori, you need to tell me everything she does to you. So Tori tells Sammy everything, even about Ron. And, you know, Tori's too young to remember Kathy, so she 
didn't really know what was going to happen to Ron. Yeah. So Sammy calls Nikki and tells Nikki everything that just happened. And at this point, they're panicking, trying to figure out what to do because they can't just keep Tori. You know, they have to send her back home. So Sammy tells Tori, like, look, you have to go back, but you can't say anything about what we talked about. But I promise that we're going to get you out of there. Just pretend you had a great time. Nothing else. So, they send Tori back home, and Tori acts like everything is fine, even though she's, you know, terrified. Terrified. Yeah. Um, And very shortly after, Sammy and Nikki drive straight down to the police station, and they told the police that they would not leave until something was done about this. After they tell them everything, Nikki looks at the sheriff that she talked to before, dead in the eyes, and says, if Ron is dead, you could have prevented this. His death is on your hands. She's got a point. I'm like, yes, you bad bitch. You fucking tell him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, hella props. Fuck that guy. Um, yep, like Pazuzu and um, Matt Flowers said, if you don't look into this guy, I'm going to shoot him on yes. this day because he needs to be stopped. <laughs> and at least the police did something yeah. like they did then, you know. <laughs> So the next morning, the police show up with CPS and they tell Shelly that they aren't there for her, only for Tori, due to suspected child abuse, and Shelly wasn't going to be arrested yet. Oh. Yet. Okay, so she books it, I'm guessing. Um, well, <laughs> no, but she's obviously very upset and she starts calling everyone trying to figure out who's saying this horrible stuff about her. She calls both Sammy and Nikki, and they're both like, I don't know what you're talking about, Mom. I'm sure everything's fine. Like, just relax. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. So, the police don't really have anything concrete enough to arrest Shelly. There's no body. There's no evidence or anything. So, they're kind of at a dead end at this point. Yeah. And then, all of a sudden, in walks Dave on Shelly's demand. Because Shelly wanted him to find out where they were keeping Tori. Because Shelly wanted to see her. And Tori was staying with Sammy, but... Because Sammy was given guardianship of her at this point. But they're not going to tell Shelly that. No, they're probably not allowed to either. Nope. And so the police, they're like, oh yeah, we're taking advantage of this. They're like, hey Dave... Let's just have a chat. Like, nothing serious. We're just going to have a chat. And, and half brain Dave's going to say something to get her in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, You know, we know that more than likely Ron is dead. And so Dave tells them everything. That's all it took. Yep. <laughs> He's like, Well, shit. All right. Here's how it goes. And Dave actually does feel really bad. You know, he yeah. he does have remorse for it, unlike Shelly. Shelly feels nothing. Shelly doesn't give a shit. It's just weird that that's all it took for him to protect yeah, his wife. Like, <laughs> he's probably <laughs> terrified of her. Probably, so he's just yeah. like, maybe this is my out, you know? And I'll see if I can find the um, confession video and put his audio, the audio of his confession in there. Maybe we'll see if I can find it and get it, but... If not, I'm sorry. <laughs> but there is, you know, videos of his confession. Um, so he tells them where Ron's body is and what happened to Shane because Shelly was so concerned that he would say something about what happened to Kathy. And when Shelly was pressing him to do something about Shane, he had enough of Shelly pressing him. So what he did was he took his shotgun and 
he went up to the shed where Shane was sleeping in the middle of the night, and he shot him in the back of the head. Oh. And then they burned his body, just like they did to Kathy, gathered his ashes, and brought him to Washaway Beach and scattered him into the ocean. So that's what actually happened to Shane. He's not in Alaska. No, kind of figured. Yeah. And it sucks. Shane, I think he was... So, some people say he was like 17 and that he didn't even get to see his 18th birthday and some places say that he was 19 so he was anywhere between the ages of like 17 and 19 so he was still pretty young at this point yeah he also yeah. came to the house from a bad house and at mm-hmm. first he was probably thinking oh i'm gonna have a good life from here on out you know and then he gets murdered yep and tortured and it's just so sad and, like, he's such a cute, like, he was such a cute little kid, too. Like, there's pictures of him when he was, like, 14, 15, you know. And I'll post some of the family pictures on Instagram and stuff because I have some of them. And, like, I'll post what the house looked like and stuff like that. Um, so now that they had the confession, both of them were arrested. And January 30th of 2004, Dave pled guilty to second-degree murder first degree of rendering criminal assistance and unlawful disposal of human remains. Good. But he was actually charged with first degree murder along with the criminal assistance and unlawful disposal of human remains. So he pled to second degree, but he was charged with first degree. Okay. For Shane. Yeah. So he took the charge for Shane and the disposal and criminal assistance. He was sentenced to 15 years in prison. And he is out now. He was released in 2016, and he still talks to Sammy and Tori, but not Nikki. And, you know, he understands why. Um, And he actually feels a lot of remorse for Shane, and he says he thinks about Shane every day. Um, Like, I kind of feel for Dave a little bit. Like, I shouldn't because, you know, you would think that his common sense would be like, I know this is wrong. You know, I should do something. And he followed along with Shelly this entire fucking time, and it took until he got arrested to feel guilty. Yeah, or do anything about it, because he yeah. probably saw what was happening to the kids, too. Oh, yeah. I remember in the beginning how he was like, I'm meant to be their dad, I'm gonna take yeah. care of them, I'm gonna protect them when Shelly's gone. And then he does all this stuff to them, so it's like, I shouldn't feel bad for him, but I kind of do, because he was extremely manipulated and brainwashed. So, yeah. I don't know. But, like, he he needs to take full responsibility, and he did, you know. Mm-hmm. He takes full responsibility for everything he did. During Ron's autopsy, the only thing that they could determine for his cause of death was neglect and malnourishment and abuse. But they couldn't indicate which injury was the one that actually killed him because there was oh. so much wrong with him. And because they couldn't indicate that, they couldn't okay. indicate who killed him. So that made it hard to convict Shelly, especially because she was not talking. Um, so they gave her the option of an Alfred plea. Ah, I know what that is. <laughs> and with this, they were asking to sentence her to 17 years in prison. During her sentencing, she basically says along the lines of like, I'm sorry for not being there for Kathy. She was my friend, and although I wasn't there when she died, you know, as a mother, I'm responsible for what happens in my home. And I'm so ashamed that she was mistreated in my home by Shane and Nikki, and that will never leave me. 
And so she's blaming all of this on Shane and Nikki. And she's like, I'm sorry I wasn't there for her, but I didn't do it. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So the judge was like, yeah, no, fuck you. And sentenced her to 22 years in prison on one charge of second degree murder and one charge of manslaughter. And Shelly still refuses to accept her charges. She doesn't believe she's at fault for any of this. Like, to this day, she sticks to the part where this isn't her fault. And she still says she has cancer. She still has cancer. Okay, yes. Even though she probably should have died, like, 17 years years ago, 20 years ago. But, yeah, no. Yeah, or, no, more like 30 years ago. More than 30. Yeah, because her oldest is... Was 28 last time. Yeah, so this is probably like 30, 40 years that she's had this terminal cancer. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And actually, there was, um, when Laura came to check in on her cancer one time, she was like, oh, I noticed you haven't lost any hair. And so Shelly went up to the bathroom and literally just, like, snipped a piece of her hair off. And she's like, look, my hair's falling out. (laughs) And, you know, Laura's a nurse, so she's like... I know that it doesn't just come off like that. It comes from, like, your scalp and stuff. So she's like, what the fuck? And so she went and investigated in the bathroom, found the scissors with Shelly's hair still in it, and she confronted Shelly about this, but Shelly's like, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, yeah. So Shelly's now 68 or 69, like, as of right now. Um, And she did apply for an early release this year of in June. So June 2022. And that's why I kind of waited a little while for this case, because I wanted to see if she was going to get out. Hopefully not. (laughs) Yeah, so she served 18 years at this point, um, but it was denied, and she will be carrying out her full sentence. She's still going to get out before she dies, though. She'll be out in about four years. Yep. Yep. And this is why they, you know, uh, why the girls went to Greg Olson, you know, to spread awareness about Shelly, because she will be out. Yep. She has life left on her, so things Warn could still happen. Of her. Yeah. So, um, today, Nikki is now 47. She lives in Seattle, and she is married with children still. Oh, I love that show. Married with children? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she works uh, for her la- husband's landscaping company, and so she's doing good. Like, she lives in, like, a million-dollar house. No. So good. she's doing really good. Sammy is now 44, and she has three children, and she's an elementary school teacher. Aww. Yes, and she lives in Washington still. Um, Tori is now 33, and she lives in Colorado, and she works in social media. She isn't, like, an influencer. She's, like, a manager of social media. She's, like, a big shot wow. in social media. So, like, these girls are doing really good for themselves, and I'm so proud of them. Like, I hope they all get restraining orders or no contact orders or whatever I if she so does too. get out. I really hope so, too. Um, and they still get together once a year at Nikki's home in Seattle, so they still talk. and They'll probably be able to because since they talked about all of this and it's gotten public in the last few years, Yeah. obviously they know that the kids said something. Yeah. And you would think that, like, um... They would give them those orders just because... <laughs> but, like, they, they, they're they terrified of her. Like, they didn't even go in and make, um... They weren't at the court date. Like, the, yeah. ju- like the lawyers and stuff, they didn't have them testify against her because they, well, for one, didn't want to put them through that because they've already been through so much. 
yeah into it was honestly kind of dangerous for them to be there and so Shelly might not know that it was them no but when she, she gets, gets out, out <laughs> yeah I was like when she gets out like I really hope that if the kids ask for it that yeah um and you know Sammy's even said that like she is like terrified for the day that Shelly gets out and hopes that she doesn't you know call them or show up to her doorstep she says she can picture herself barricading her doors because Shelly came up and is knocking on the door you know terrified for her life because Shelly's at her doorstep like it's gonna be terrifying to think about yeah and a lot of times so like you can do a thing where if a person did something to you and they're gonna be getting out of prison the prison's supposed to call you and say hey this person's being released on this date yep. just a heads up very rarely do they do that i know and it's terrifying yep very rarely do they do that so a lot of times the sometimes they do though person does show up to the victim's house and the victim mm-hmm. has no, no idea. idea yeah it's scary sometimes stuff. they do but i think like majority of the time they don't though i think it's when it's like prison prisons like you have so many people there you know there's hundreds of inmates they probably don't they can't keep track of all of them yeah well they should but they don't yeah they probably you know phone numbers probably get lost over the years and oh yeah especially if you like change your number and stuff like that yeah yeah so they're really trying to bring awareness about her mother um because of the fact that she will be free someday and they worry that um someone might become her next target you know she very well could meet somebody on the streets you know that doesn't listen to audiobooks and stuff like that and doesn't know and it surprises me that I never heard of this. Yeah, I was so shocked that, like, this isn't a more talked about case. Like, I had no idea about this until I heard the book. Mm -hmm. Like, you would think someone so twisted like this would be talked about a lot more, but she's She'll probably get really popular when um, the news will probably say, oh, she's Shelly? Is that her name? Michelle. Michelle gets out of prison or whatever, and then... A&E and Investigation Discovery and Vice, they're there, all going to want to do things on her, but that's going to be after she's one out. that I watched. Um, I watched it on Discovery Plus. It was, uh, what was the show called? It was like Home Sweet Home or something like that, and they did an episode on her, but it's a terrible episode. They dramatize everything. They get the kids' name wrong, which <laughs> makes me wonder if their names in the book are cover names for their privacy. Because they of the might fact be. that I've heard in other places them called different names, so it very well could be. Um, I mean, I wouldn't want my name known. I wouldn't like, want attached it out there to this. Either. I probably no. would change my name so that that's one less connection to her I would have. Yeah. So I don't know if it's their actual names or not, but like, you can imagine that this like traumatized them a lot. So even when they go like grocery shopping, they can't even like walk down the bleach aisle or look at duct tape because it triggers memories. You know, they can't even smell bleach because it just brings back everything. And I don't blame them one bit. I Um, bet you they were terrified when they had their first kids too. Oh yeah. Because a lot of people that come from abuse are like, oh my God, am I going to be a good parent? And they like, even in general, people question if they're going to be a good parent, but it's just amplified if you come from something like that. Well, during an interview, Sammy had said something like um, that 
She doesn't know how Shelly could look at her kids and do stuff like that because when she held her first newborn, all she could feel was overwhelming love for that kid and that she wanted to protect that child and stuff like that. And she just, like, she knew that she would never be like Shelly. Yeah. And, like... Well, I mean, any time that we talk about a case where there's, like, some sort of child abuse, especially from a parent to a kid... kid, I don't have kids, but I have a lot of younger siblings. So my mind automatically goes to, like, me in that scenario with my younger siblings. Yeah. It's and, like, like, that hurts. I'm going to do better than that because I don't want to do what happened to me to other people because I know how it feels. Yeah, but, like, I'm assuming that, like, me as a older sister, not even as a mom, if I heard that was happening to my younger siblings, like, I would lose my shit. I would... Yeah burst into my mom's house and better hope the cops get there first. I love you, mommy, but if you were like this, like, (laughs) you know. So, like, as a mom, I feel like your anger would go towards the people hurting, you know. Yeah, it should be, like, ten times what I would feel, you know. Exactly. It's just, like, I don't get how she could do this to her children. I just... Yeah, I don't know. So, like I said, they're really trying to bring awareness to this, and that's one reason why I really wanted to do this case is because of the fact that it's, like, not talked about as much as it should be. So, and she's getting out. Yeah. It's not if, be, she is. She will. She After her 22 years are up, she will be out there. And that's scary to think about. And I honestly wonder if um, Dave is going to keep in contact with her. I can imagine that he won't. Because um, I, I couldn't find out if they got divorced or not or anything. Um, so I don't really know what's going on with that. But I would imagine that they aren't going to have contact and that Dave doesn't want anything to do with Shelly. But... I hope so. Because yeah. that would make this whole remorse, remorse thing pretty much go out the window. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, a lot of people in, like, toxic relationships like that, they go back for whatever reason because of the manipulation. So I hope to God that he's strong enough to say no if she does try and pull that card on him or anything. Like, oh, we've been through so much together, Dave. I'm the only one who will understand you. You know, kind of a thing. Yeah. I hope that's not the case. Uh, For Dave's sake. Well, hopefully he went to therapy and learned that... Oh, I'm sure he's in therapy. (laughs) (laughs) I learned that she's no good and to stay away from her. Well, the fact, too, that he feels remorse for everything. Like, he feels so bad and he thinks about it all the time. And, like, I don't know. So, uh, Dave is doing better. He is changing. He's, you know, becoming a better person. But, Yeah. yeah. So, they contacted Greg and here came the story of If You Tell. And that is Michelle Nodak, everyone. Yeah, I don't... Ugh. The, <laughs> I just... My mind cannot wrap around this entire thing. Like, every time I think about it, I'm just shocked all over again because I just don't understand it. And the fact that even Nikki... Like, I'll bring back that quote that Nikki said. I loved my mother because I didn't know I had a choice. I had to love her. Yeah. Like, that's so sad to think about. I just... I don't know. Well, if you're still here, I hope you... um, Enjoyed the... mm. I don't want to say enjoyed because it... (laughs) It fucks with me. Like, I don't enjoy this one at all. I mean, like, it's super interesting to me because I would kill to know the psychology behind this woman's brain but like that's why it's so interesting but i just i don't know 
So um, I will post some pictures to Instagram of um, what Shelly looks like, what Dave looks like. Uh, I'll post a picture of Kathy and Shane and Ron. And then I have a picture of the kids, too. Like, the kids are beautiful people. Like, they turned out really well. They're doing (laughs) so good. And they are just, like, absolutely stunning women. And I'm I'm, I'm so happy for them that they were able to move on and make such a good life out of themselves. Like, it makes me so happy. I mean, it sucks that they went through all of that, but at least they're doing good. They turned it around. Yeah. So, well, this was a long one, so I hope you're still here, but um, make sure you follow us on our Instagram and our Facebook. It's at the Clock Crypt or at the Clock Crypt Podcast. Um, If you have any ideas, suggestions, or stories that you want us to cover... Um, you can either... Including personal stories. Yeah, it can be anything that you've experienced as well. Um, feel free to shoot us an email or a message on Instagram or Facebook, and um, we'll definitely put that in somewhere. Um, and happy yeah. spooky season. Yeah. I'm so happy it's spooky season. Um, I hope you enjoyed our first spoopy oopy episode. Yes. The hook's already out, so... Yep, and there's plenty more to come. Don't yes. worry. Have no fear. I think we're actually about to record another one right after this, so... Yes, we are. <laughs> um, so stick around for that. Make sure you check those out, because they're pretty friggin' interesting. hmm And, yeah, we will see you guys on the next one.